This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. It is one of my favorite holidays. You get to kind of celebrate it in your own way. You want to do charitable work and go volunteer somewhere? You can do that. You want to um, stay home by yourself, watch the parade and watch football? You can do that. You want to go to the parade? You can do that. You want to uh, just enjoy a big meal with uh, friends and family? You could do that. You want to go home? You want to stay uh, stay home, rather, or go visit someplace? There's all these options. There's no gifts. There's none of the pressure to... Um, to buy something like there is for, say, Christmas or Hanukkah or things like that. It's uh, it's fun. If you like to cook, it's a fun holiday. If you like to eat, it's a great holiday. If you like spending time with friends and family, it's an incredible opportunity to do that, including people that you may not get to see that often. So it was interesting. I was reading this article and there's an online language learning platform called Preply. I don't know anything about Preply, but I found this survey that they conducted pretty interesting. They basically conducted this survey to gauge each state's opinions on the do's and don'ts of being a kind house guest and what people do and don't want to talk about at Thanksgiving this year. Although the most and least desired Thanksgiving conversations reflected some generational differences, Generation Z, Generation X, Millennials, and Baby Boomers, so that you have four very different generations there, covers, what, 80 years or so, maybe more, they all agreed on one thing, no politics at the dinner table. Over 90% of the survey participants said they don't want to talk about politics at all at their Thanksgiving dinners. Among the top five least desired topics of conversation, Joe Biden, Donald Trump, the 2024 presidential election. So, um... The with I like a lot of the um, I'll give you the ones that were the most popular. I think those are all good. But 
the other ones that they uh, they they want to stay away from. These are the ten least popular conversation topics with all the groups I just mentioned. The 2024 election, Trump, family drama and gossip, Biden, COVID, personal relationships. I was a little surprised at that one. Jobs, personal finances. Oh, boy, that's on my list. War and conspiracy theories. And I I, I do this every year around this time. I think, look, I recognize no one wants to fight, right? Um, No one wants to, uh, you believe one thing, your uncle believes another. You both love each other, but you guys are on polar opposite ends of the spectrum politically. No one wants to get into a screaming match over stuffing. And that's why I understand where people are coming from in wanting to avoid political conversation. But I have to tell you, I think that is such a shame. I think what we need more of in this country, and probably around the world, but especially in this country, especially if you're looking at what's going on in Congress, is conversations with people who disagree. We need polite, civil informative conversations because as far as I'm concerned the biggest problem in this country is not that we're talking too much with people that we disagree with it's that we're not talking enough people need to understand that if they're conservative the person that's left-wing is not an alien you know there was this um there was this a front page article in the Times on Sunday about this fella who went was arrested on January 6th, and it's all about how he's trying to win back his son. He and his son disagree politically. I mean, I thought it was, I mean, it was an interesting article, but it was ridiculous how much ink this one father and son relationship got. But to me, it was interesting because there are so many fathers and sons and brothers and sisters and cousins and nephews who do disagree, and they do allow politics to create a wedge in familial relationships. I used to be in the uh, event videography business, as you know. I would videotape weddings. I would uh, edit weddings. And I remember vividly, and this is maybe 25 years ago, I remember vividly this wedding that I either videotaped or edited, or maybe both. And there was a... A Jewish, one of the, the, the husband and wife, I believe the husband was Jewish and the wife was Catholic. And they did a beautiful interfaith ceremony. They had a rabbi there and they had a, a Catholic priest, a Monsignor actually. And the Monsignor said, and I never forgot this, and I've remembered this for years. You know, it's so great that this couple is not doing what so many interfaith couples end up doing when they get married and keeping religion out of their relationship. They're making religion, even with their differences, a central focus of their relationship, and that's why there's a priest here and a rabbi. And my mission has been, especially around Thanksgiving time, to help people have meaningful conversations with people that they disagree with because I think it's a mistake, honestly, 
to not have conversations about what's happening in the country and the world. Because you know what? Chances are your friend or your family member can learn something from you. And even if you disagree with where they are and everything, I am betting you can learn something from them. If you're willing to listen, listening is sometimes very difficult. And I came across this uh, tip sheet. This is from November of 2020. And I have read this on the air these last four years. And these are um, basically some tips to have meaningful discussions. This is from a group called Unity 2.0. I don't think this group exists anymore. I, I, you know, this group is not, they have not left much of an imprint on history. But this I found so helpful. And I've actually tried to utilize these one, two, three, four, five, six, six tips in my own life and on this show since reading it. I mean, that's how you know an email is an impactful piece of writing if it causes you to change how you speak and behave. And I've done this. I've tried to do it anyway on this show. So I'm going to share these with you. But as I do so, I would love to hear your take on this. Are you with me that conversations about politics, conversations about public affairs, about uh, public policy should be a part of your conversations this Thursday, even if you're going to end up in a place where you disagree with the folks at the table? Or do you agree with what the people in this survey said, that you don't want to discuss it? What do you think? 800-848-9222. Here are the tips. And, oh, by the way, if you do agree with me, if you think we should look at this as an opportunity to have meaningful conversations with people with whom we disagree, I'd love to know your tips for having substantive conversations about very hot-button issues but not allowing that to result in anger or a screaming match. How do you have a situation where you talk about the 2024 election or even something even more polarizing, something like this Israel-Hamas conflict, which different people have a lot of differing opinions about, without it turning into a a shouting match? Give me your tips. And I'm going to share with you these, which I found very helpful. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Again, I want to give credit to the entity that does no longer, it no longer exists, but it's called Unity 2.0. And they got this from a lot of other experts. And I've interviewed a couple of these people on the show, but it's basically a compilation of things. Don't lecture. I think that's so important. Don't lecture. The dinner table isn't a classroom. Few people, few things put people off more than an unsolicited lecture. Think about what you're saying. Is it in response to a question asked by somebody else? Did someone indicate they want to know your views on this topic? If the answer to these questions is no, then you're probably lecturing. Such good piece of advice. Two, And I love this one. I love this. Ask questions. Leading with questions instead of statements of fact 
is the best way to create conversation. Facts are loaded with associations, and they often lead us down the rabbit hole of sources. Where did you hear that? Oh, oh, where'd you get that? Oh, it's from Newsmax. Oh, they're not credible. Oh, well, where, where did you get your information? Oh, MSNBC, that's not credible. Ask questions. Asking questions requires your interlocutor to examine their reasoning and values first. Three, humanize. It's easy to pigeonhole others into categories when talking about politics. However, just as issues are complex, so are people. Try to find common ground, even if it's only tangentially related to the subject. If you both love pumpkin pie, make that part of the conversation. Four, and I've, I've tried to do this a lot, and I think it's helped me on the radio. Summarize their position. Before responding, try to articulate the position of the other person better than they did. This signals that you're listening and validates their opinion. Five, instigate doubt. We're more likely to question our beliefs if we feel that the doubt comes from ourselves. So to spur an investigation into someone else's beliefs, feign ignorance. Ask them to explain their position to you. By asking someone to define their own beliefs, any blind spots will become clear on their own terms, making them more likely to engage in deeper investigation. And then lastly, find a way out. Don't make the conversation about winning or losing. Try to build a bridge between your points of view that you can both live with. If you have the courage to change your mind or concede on something, chances are whomever you're talking to will as well. So I found those so helpful. Find a way out, instigate doubt, summarize their position, humanize, ask questions, and don't lecture. But... My view is, I think you should make politics and public policy a part of your conversation this this Thursday. I don't think you should avoid it any more than a, a Jewish groom marrying a Catholic wife should keep God out of their relationship. People have differing views. Great. That's what the crux of human life. I think that's wonderful. So uh, these points are maybe a lot to digest, but I hope that it provides a little insight into how to have constructive, meaningful conversations about politics, not just on Thanksgiving, but the whole holiday season. So uh, my view is get talking, get talking. 800-848-9222 if you you have your own tips or your own view. Uh, Matt Blaze, I know you're you're working both – Thursday morning and uh, Friday morning. So I'm not sure what you're going to get to do on Thursday. What do you have planned Thursday? Um, I'm not really sure yet exactly because I am working Thursday and Friday morning. So I might just do a little Thanksgiving. There's the two of us Friday afternoon. I got you. So it's all done. Right. Uh, Tony, are you working both days also Thursday and Friday? I'm sorry. Say that again. Are you working both Thursday and Friday? Uh, yes, I'm, yes, I am. So, are are you doing anything for Thanksgiving? No, um, I'll probably have a little dinner. Well, you remember when my father passed away, right? 
you know, so this is this time of the year is not really a good year, a, a good time for me. And then, you know, to add insult to injury, um, one of my aunt's um, funerals tomorrow. Oh Tuesday, no! I'm so, so sorry to so, hear that. So I'm really not feeling it this year. So I'm just going to be that. low key. You know, that's uh, that's always one of the things that. Uh, you know, uh, it's such a struggle with, for everybody, the holidays. The first uh, holiday after somebody that you love uh, passes away. Uh, that is uh, that is tough. But um, I hope you guys get a, a chance to get a little bit of a, a break. I think my plan is uh, I'm going to be here on Thursday on Thanksgiving, and then on Friday I am hoping to be off. I've asked uh, to be off, but we'll see. I, I'm hoping to not be here. I don't know. I've sent a list of recommendations. I don't know what's going to happen. We'll see. 800-848-9222. Gary is in Inwood. Hi, Gary. Good morning, Frank. Uh, with my family, whether it would be in western New York or Jersey, we've always had a rule of thumb. Lighthearted, joyful, entertaining. Politics, social issues. Never comes into play, and we and it works out perfectly. All right, well, look, we, keep it, we keep it simple. Everybody has a great time, and we put that stuff aside, and everybody has a great time, and we don't open up the door for the possibility of something like that coming into play. Yeah, uh, thanks, Gary. I appreciate that. I, I look, my view is whatever works for you is uh, is great. If it works for you to avoid this, then great. I think it's a real opportunity to um, to learn from people that you respect and love, honestly. 800-848-9222. Uh, David, hi. Yeah, hey, Frank. Love your show. Sorry to hear about your cat, but Thank, you. Thank you very I much. Had do, I had to do the same thing with my cat, Bootsy. Brought her out here. I'm in uh, 20 miles uh, east of uh, Columbus in uh, flyover country. I had to bring Bootsy out here. She was six months old. We had to put her down last year because just like Bathsheba, she she just started losing it everywhere, pooping everywhere and everything. It was sad. really hurt my son. Now, as far as this uh, stuff with uh, around the dinner table at Thanksgiving, that's great. The only problem that I have is that my wife is pure Mexican from Michoacan, Central Mexico. So a lot of our friends are Mexican, El Salvadorian, et cetera. And they don't speak very good English. So, of course, I speak fluent Spanish. But I speak Castilian, which is the highest level, you know, university level. I'm a university graduate, et cetera. So... When I'm talking to them, sometimes they don't understand me, and they uh-huh. get upset because they get upset because it sounds to them like I'm. They remember that's what their teachers and their priest how they used to talk to them. <laughs> so I got to come in left and right, but I agree about talking politics and everything. But well, when you say difficult. you agree, David, you mean you you agree that you should or should not? Absolutely, should talk. Mm-hmm politics and current events and what's going right. on around right. the world and with Israel and everything. But, you know, yes, talk about everything, you know? Yeah, uh, thank I you. Think, uh, I think sorry, New York man. is a dying city. I'm, I'm very sad that I'll never be able to go to New York City because I'm afraid of the crime problem over well, there. Uh, David, uh, trust me, I, I think you can make it to New York and, and survive. I get letters like this from people terrified. Oh, can I visit New York? Can I visit New York? Yes, you can visit New York. You're going to be fine. Um, so don't let the headlines discourage you from visiting 
New York. It's still a wonderful, wonderful city. But, um, you know, in so I'm going to my mother-in-law's on Thursday and, you know, she has nine children, including my wife. Eight of them are going to be present. One of them lives in California. But the eight that are going to be there, a lot of them have all but, uh, let's see, one, two, three, all but three of them have wives or husbands, right? So it's a big group, and it's really a diverse group intellectually that has a really wonderful, diverse collection of life experiences, of professional experiences, of, um, you know, uh, expertise in different areas. I I love hearing their perspective on uh, different things. And, you know, I don't know that there's a... a So I, I would hate to avoid political conversations just because you're afraid that they're going to be heated. I love these tips that I think will help you avoid getting to a place where you're screaming at one another over a wishbone. All right, 800-848-9222 if you have any conversation tips or if you agree. Jacqueline is in the Queens. Hi, Jacqueline. Hi. This may be a little deep. The word Thanksgiving means giving thanks. It does not mean stealing the flesh of another species and eating it. Uh, Jacqueline, I'm not a big uh, uh, turkey person. I'm not a I'm not a vegan, but um, I, I, um, I I know a lot of people feel that way. I think uh, turkey is a part of a lot of people's Thanksgiving traditions. Let me. What are you doing for Thanksgiving? Uh, what am I doing? Uh, giving thanks. That's what, what with, it means. Are you and meeting I'm not with anyone? Another species. Are you, no, I understood. I understand that. But are you going somewhere? Are you going to be with friends or family? Uh, no. No. I'm uh, staying home and working and giving thanks. Well, I think that's great to give thanks every day, but especially on Thanksgiving. Do you think that it's possible for two people? To uh, go to a Thanksgiving dinner, one feels the way about uh, the turkey, the atrocity that occurs every year around this time that you do, and then another person feels differently, and then maybe they can have a conversation about why they both feel that way at the Thanksgiving table. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah. Well, I, I do. So I think that's wonderful. I mean, I would love it if Jacqueline went to uh, a Thanksgiving and made her case as to why we shouldn't be slaughtering all these turkeys every year. And someone else who feels differently can express their view, not in a way that involves screaming, but in a way that is meaningful conversations. Now, I'm getting other other messages from people that disagree. Someone just wrote to me, said, and you could... Uh, as send me an SMS text message at 8168-MORANO. Got to disagree. No one goes to a family dinner or party to have meaningful conversations. I'm not with you. Well, I, I do. I like having meaningful conversations. I like it. Uh, Joe is in the Queens. What do you think? Yeah, Frank, I somewhat disagree with you. Uh, I think the whole concepts of what you just read uh, does apply, but not to say politics. Uh, because I, I think it's there's such a schism, and it's based on the, the person maybe on the other side of the table is a consumer of mainstream news, so-called mainstream news, 
which is all talking points. Uh, if you, you know, and then they uh, invoke things like racism if, if you say anything that's contrary. So I think unless the other person you can discern that they're willing to look at other sources of information, that could be your show, a podcast, alternative uh, uh, media, uh, and they're just consuming, say, like the New York Times or NBC, then it's just not going to work. It has to be someone that can meet in the middle on in terms of their consumption uh, of information. Right, and Joe, but they, they may say the same thing about whatever media consumption diet you're on, right? So that, that's what I think. I, I think if you follow some of these tips, don't lecture, ask questions, uh, find a way out, uh, instill doubt, summarize their positions, I, I think it really can end up in a place where there are meaningful conversations, even if people do come at it from uh, radical different viewpoints. I think those are the folks we need talking with one another. The biggest problem that I see, and it, it, so, it goes in so many different directions, is that we all tend to live in a bubble. We consume a media diet of only what we want to hear. And then we surround ourselves with girlfriends or wives or husbands or boyfriends and friends and associates and neighbors that also agree with us. And you never hear an alternative view. You know, one of the reasons, uh, you know, I think we have a more ideologically diverse listenership than a lot of other shows on many of the stations that we're on. But one of the reasons, I, I recognize I think the audience is mostly conservatives, but one of the reasons that I love taking David in the Bronx's call is because usually, and it's you, usually I kind of put him to the top of the, the front of the list, is because he usually has an opinion that differs from where four out of the five callers are. So I love that he can articulately express the point of view that folks may not otherwise hear if he wasn't willing to call in. So I really think we need more of that in our personal lives, not just in the media. 800-848-9222. Hey, um, let me just play this for you. I'm you, A lot of you remember Andy B. He would call this program regularly. He was responsible for one of our theme songs. Well, I lamented every Thanksgiving week that there's not enough Thanksgiving music out there. There are some Thanksgiving songs, but not nearly as many as there should be. You think about how many more people celebrate Thanksgiving than celebrate Christmas. And yet there there are, I could think of a thousand Christmas songs, and you could count the number of Thanksgiving songs on one hand. Same thing with Thanksgiving movies. So Andy B. was a musician. He was a pretty talented musician. And I asked him to try to come up with a Thanksgiving song, and he came up with a first draft but, um, you know, he was starting to get sick at this point, and he had never, or he was already sick at this point, and it, it never really got polished. He didn't get to record it in a professional manner, but I thought it's an appropriate way to remember Andy for his uh, contributions. Here's uh, one of the tracks on Thanksgiving that he made. I guess this is about three or four years ago. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. 
here and this is why we don't play it more often he never really got the levels right and that was kind of the next on his agenda the uh, music kind of drowns out the vocals it's even tough to hear what he what the vocals are but I appreciated the effort and it's a nice way to remember him you know one of the things whether it's uh, pets or people when you have holidays like you know Tony was talking about his aunt um, you know I think a lot of us have lost people or pets in recent times. Um, it's tough to celebrate the holidays without people that you always celebrated them with. But one of the things that I really enjoy doing, whether it's uh, my grandmother or my Uncle Carmine or, you know, uh, my Aunt Connie or other people that have meant a lot to me, is I try to use it as an opportunity to talk about that person, right? And share some memories of uh, a Thanksgiving or a Christmas or a whatever, a New Year's Eve Eve that occurred while that person was around or that pet was around. And um, I kind of viewed it the same way with, with Andy. He went to a lot of effort to make music for us and to entertain our listeners. Figured we could play it even if it wasn't necessarily mixed perfectly. Perfectly. We'll continue with your calls in a moment. 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano.
What would you do if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Lend me your ears and I'll sing you a song. I will try not to sing out of key. Uh, the great Joe Cocker. I feel like we're getting ready for a uh, an episode of The Wonder Years. You know, it's funny. Have you ever noticed the similarity in the way The Wonder Years is in terms of the story, uh, how it's unfolded, and the narration, and the flashback, how the whole thing's have a flashback? Do you ever notice the similarity between The Wonder Years and A Christmas Story? which does kind of the same thing. And I know, I think that at least one network will be having a Christmas story on all day long on Thanksgiving. Not, and no, I didn't misspeak. I didn't mean Christmas. I think at least uh, TBS or TNT, one of them, is going to have a Christmas story on all day long on Thanksgiving. Well, uh, a Christmas story is based on the uh, radio commentaries of Gene Shepard, who basically did what I did. I mean, a little different. But he would tell stories about his life, mostly reminiscences from when he was a child. And A Christmas Story is a collection of his reminiscences as a child. And that's his voice as an adult. And he, I, from what I remember, always had a problem with the Wonder Years. Because he felt like they ripped him off. And they never paid him. I mean, he made enough money from that movie that he didn't have to worry about getting paid. But would have been nice to be paid. All right, um, that is, uh, with a little help from my friends, by Joe Cocker, that is a birthday bumper music selection from Giuseppe Des- Desario. Uh, Giuseppe Desario has been a, um, a hard-boiled veteran of New York State Republican politics for a long time and uh, is just a, uh, a wonderful guy and a wonderful public servant as well. He works for a local elected official and has worked for several and he just does a, uh, a wonderful job. All right, 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Going to get back to your calls in just a moment. I do want to ch- encourage you to please follow my Facebook page, facebook.com slash moranofan. That's facebook.com slash M-O-R-A-N-O fan. I uh, posted a video yesterday, which uh, I hope you'll take a look at and share where uh, Carmine makes an appearance, and looking pretty suave, I must say, because uh, we got a haircut on Saturday. Not much of a haircut. He got basically his front bangs trimmed a little, a little bit of the sides trimmed a little, a couple of snips, really, and uh, a little bit of the back, but I think he looks good. This poor boy was so upset Saturday when I uh, took him for a, a haircut. So you could see you, you, you could see the haircut and uh, share the video, please. Facebook.com slash Morano fan. Just hit, uh, hit the share. But my, my barber, Lou, who also does, you know, did his hair for his first haircut. I thought it would be okay because when we went for the first time, my wife came and he was okay until he saw her. And this time, instead of putting him in a booster seat, we had him sit on my lap, which I thought he would be comfortable. He was so unhappy. And unhappy is not the word. He was scared. And he was crying. And I'm saying, buddy, it's okay. It's okay. And he's sitting on my lap. And uh, and he's just saying, he's crying. And he says, daddy, 
hold you, hold you. I said, but because that's what he says when he wants you to pick him up or something. I said, buddy, I am holding you. I got you right here. Nothing's going to happen. Poor guy was so unhappy. And uh, then at one point he started even, my wife didn't come with us because we thought that would make him flip out even more. It turned out not to matter. Uh, he starts calling for her. He starts saying, mommy, mommy. And it, it was maybe five minutes. It was the longest five minutes of, I think, either of our lives. It's He was crying. And then an, one of the barbers gave him a lollipop, which he had been excited about. He was looking forward to it. He knew he was going for a haircut. He knew he got a lollipop last time. He was excited to get this lollipop. And we walk out, and I open the lollipop for him. He was happy that it was green. I hope I unwrap the lollipop for him. I hand it to him. But, you know, I guess maybe the lollipop had fallen or something. As soon as I unwrap the lollipop, portions of the lollipop fall off of it. They chipped off of it. And so... He's just looking on the ground at the portions of the lollipop, the little green pieces of candy that have fallen off of it. And he starts crying again. So I I usually don't like to reward crying with treats, but I went back in. I got him another lollipop because that one was broken. So I got him a a dum-dum. So he, I said, okay, here, buddy, here's your purple lollipop. Give me that other one. And he wouldn't give me the broken one. So he got to, he made out like a bandit. He kept both the broken green lollipop and the uh, the purple dum-dum. So, and he was much happier from then on in. On Friday, we went to a uh, two-year-old birthday party, young Ariana Idala. That was a lot of fun. He was playing in the ball pit. He was playing on the trampoline. It was almost like an indoor playground. Uh, he had pizza. He had French fries. They had uh, some chicken fingers, even some pigs in a blanket. So Friday was the his highlight of the weekend. Saturday was the um, was a downer with the haircut situation. It was really rough. Sunday he was for the most part pretty good in church, but he kept needing to leave. He's a little louder than you know my wife and I would be comfortable with. So all the parishioners always say, "Oh, don't worry, don't worry. Let him talk. Let him make noise." But, you know, we feel bad. You know, the priest is trying to say serious things or the deacon is trying to say serious things. And, you know, he's doing things so or saying things and, you know, being loud. So we kept taking him out. And then uh, and then we went to the playground. He, this boy loves to hang out at the handball courts, which I, I love. He just loves to watch them play racquetball and loves to watch them play handball. We stayed at the handball courts for maybe a half hour just watching the handball players and the racquetball players. I was hoping there were three handball players and they were doing one-on-one and then they would have whoever's waiting play winner. And then at one point they did sort of a handicap match. They had the two two players play against this one other player. I was hoping that one of them would say to me, hey, there are three of us, do you want to play? And we could play doubles. And... I thought that would have been a lot of fun. I used to love handball as a middle schooler. I haven't played much, but when I go with him, my son, to the playground, you know, I, I bounce the ball around a little bit. And uh, they never asked me. I'm sitting there watching the whole time, and they never ask, hey, do you want to play? But um, that's just as well because I didn't have sneakers on, so I had these, you know, just regular shoes on, which would have been difficult to play in. And because these guys were good players, I haven't played since eighth grade, so I was not going to insert myself and say, hey, do you need a fourth player, when I would have been by far the worst player 
on the uh, on the court. But I was sorry they didn't ask me to play. All right, 800-848-9222. Neil is in Baltimore. Hey, Neil, everybody's still talking about that great song that you did on Friday. Thanks for that. Oh, well, thank you, Frank, for the opportunity to share. Sure um, thing. And be thanks, thankful. Um, you, what was it, six tips that you had? Yeah, six, yeah. So number seven should be know your audience. Um, uh, most times when I go to Thanksgiving dinner with family, sometimes there's friends. We generally don't talk about those kinds of things. But one year, my my older brother came, and uh, it kind of got blown up a little bit. So um, if you know your audience and you know that it's going to trigger something, probably best to stay away from it. Um, also, I want to note, when my children were two and three years old, I used to call it the troublesome twos and the terrible threes because by three they've figured the world out and then they really challenge you. Yeah, those well, were my they they were my absolute favorite years with my kids for sure. I I'm not the least bit surprised by that. Thanks, Neil. Yeah, I um I understand what Neil's saying about knowing your audience. I still think it's possible to have a conversation if you would hear to the, the strategies that I outlined. I th- really think these are effective. If you have other strategies, I'd love to hear them. 800-848-9222. Tom is in the Boogie Down Bronx. Hi, Tom. Yes. Hi, hey, Frank. Uh, I'd like yeah. to say that uh, on Thanksgiving, I'd like to have sweet potatoes. Uh, I'd like to, uh, as far as uh, turkey is, it's Turkey Frank's. I'm not a cook, but but I like sweet potatoes. You can boil them, and I like uh, some uh, other vegetables with it, uh, with it, and uh, cranberry sauce on the side. You know, and uh, that's Thanksgiving for me. Well, I, I guess I mean it is interesting, Tom. I, I know a lot of people were you know somewhat curious about your Thanksgiving dietary habits. I guess I'm not necessarily clear on what that has to do with anything that we were talking about. Well, no, you were talking about Thanksgiving and the meals. Gotcha. All right, well, I was really talking about the conversations around the meals, but thank you, Yeah, well, the conversations, too. Okay, I I say stay away from the politics. It causes trouble and everything. Yeah, uh, happy Thanksgiving to you, Tom. I disagree. I think we should learn from one another. And make an effort to talk with people that we don't agree with. I, I can't tell you how much I learn from people that I don't agree with. Or that I thought I didn't agree with. Sometimes they win me over. And that's what, if you can have, if you could sit through these conversations with an open mind, I think it really uh, counts for a lot. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Pamela is in New Jersey. Hi, Pamela. Hello. Um, I agree with you. Um, I think Thanksgiving is a time when you all get together and it, to share ideas. But, and what you don't want to do is return an expression of an opinion with a gotcha question. That's a good really one. I like that. So give me an example of how that would work. Like um, how, let's say I say, uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm really, I'm excited to vote for Joe Biden because, you know, I really don't want to vote for Donald Trump and Trump was bad for the country. Give me a gotcha question that somebody might ask. Um, you know, would it be maybe, okay, I, yeah. I can even be more specific than that. It just happened to me. I gave an opinion that Congress is made for discussion and I don't think it's a bad thing to clear the air with a new speaker. Hmm. 
And Sounds reasonable. Then, and then somebody came back at me and said, well, the accuser is, has ethical issues. And I said, said, excuse me, like, that's not my point. My point is, I think it was a good time to have a new speaker. And I don't regret the, the conversation that went on in the Congress to get to that point. And I don't like those gotcha questions. Gotcha. I don't like, well, I'm going to ramrod you with this. And how do you like that? Well, I think that's very. I, I think I think that's, that's such an important point, uh, Pamela. And I don't think it's necessarily dissimilar from some of the ones I raised. But I think that's very specific. I think that's a good one. Yeah, I mean, it, I, you know what it is. In addition to being willing to listen, it's being it's wanting not to win an argument. You want to have a conversation. You want to talk with someone. You want, as Bob Grant used to say a free and open exchange of ideas and of opinions. It shouldn't be about beating the other side into submission. What's to be gained by that? That's not fun for anybody. 800-848-9222. Your calls straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Oh, you gonna take me home tonight? Oh, down beside that red firelight. Oh, you gonna let it all hang out, fat bottom girls? You make the rocking world go round. Queen, Fat Bottom Girls. This was the top of the hour theme song for Lynn Samuels back in the day. Also happens to be a birthday bumper music selection for uh, my friend Laura Caruso, who was a huge Lynn Samuels fan. Lynn, if you don't know, or if you're listening outside of the New York area. uh, Actually, no, she was on Sirius. So if you're a radio fan, uh, you probably would know her from her time at Sirius, if not from when she was on WABC. But, um... Lynn was a five-tool talent, really just great. And uh, Laura was a huge listener, and she invited um, Lynn, never having met her before, if I remember the correct, if I remember the story correctly. Correctly, she invited Lynn to um, a Christmas party that she was having, and Lynn came. Isn't that nice? I mean, don't get any ideas. Don't invite me to your thing. I will not come. My, my agenda is pretty full. But uh, happy birthday again, Laura Caruso. Uh, Matt Blaze, how many people do you know? Ballpark. A thousand? I don't a thousand. Know. Something like that, yeah. What I would think? think. Tony, any idea how many? Oh, Tony's on the phone. If with one of, Probably with one of the people that he knows. Okay. The average person, including you, probably knows, and I'm not talking close friends here. I'm not even talking friends. I'm just talking acquaintances. The average person, um, fascinating story in the Wall Street Journal in Josh Zumbrin's numbers column, you probably know 611 people. That is what the average person knows. 
So uh, that's a national average. But the person that came up with this was Tyler McCormick. And he has, I'll, I'll spare you some of the details, but he worked this out. And what they did was, and his technique is a fascinating illustration of the power of statistics to illuminate society. Not just how many acquaintances the average person has, but the number of homeless and other hard-to-reach populations. So what they did was, and it's an interesting article, you should read it, but the key is they asked people, how many people named Michael do you know? How many people named Robert do you know? How many people named David, James, Jennifer, Christopher, Anthony, Kimberly, Christina, Stephanie, Nicole, Jacqueline? So the key is to count your Michaels. McCormick, as well as uh, Matthew Salganick of Princeton and Tian Zhang of Columbia, his authors, his co-authors of this paper that introduced the estimate of how many people we know, they devised a clever workaround. They asked people how many people you know with each of those names. There are more than 3 million Americans named Michael. That's around 1% of the population, according to the Social Security Administration. So Michaels should also make up about 1% of your acquaintances. If you know eight Michaels, you probably know about 800 people. Now, the median number of people that someone knows is 400 and something. I think it's about 472. But the average is 611 because there's a small number of people with a huge number of acquaintances. And I think that's where I am. I am in the 6% or more of the population that knows over 1,500 people. And I'm going to do the Michael test to see how many Michaels that I know. I was thinking, just as I was reading this, that I think I know, I I named just in the last 30 seconds, 10. But let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 12, 13, yeah. Now, I, I know at least 25 Michaels. I'm just looking at my phone here. So I, I'm way over this 1,500 number. But um, it's interesting. Count your Michaels and multiply that by 100. Chances are that's how many people you know. Until next hour, keep asking questions. <laughs> 